0: Hello and welcome to Pound the Rock, an NBA podcast by The Score. I'm your host, William Lou. I'm joined in studio as always by my fellow co-host, Joe Gosharo. What's going on? Joe Wolfon. What up? We're going to talk mostly about the trade deadline that's coming up in a couple of weeks here. We're going to look through the teams that are going to be sellers and teams that are going to be buyers and sort of work out which players are going to be available and which players, quite frankly, should be available. But uh, first, we have to talk about this. Um, Kyrie Irving, after... The Boston Celtics probably had one of their biggest wins of the year, defeating the Toronto Raptors um, at home. Kyrie was phenomenal in that game. I think he had a career-high 18 assists. He you know, was incredibly clutched down the stretch. He hit one from the logo. Uh, right after the game, he kind of like hijacked the story almost by saying that, you know what, he called LeBron to apologize. Because he said, quote-unquote, you know what, I was a knucklehead and stuff like that. And I was young and... You know, he's like, now, you know, now that I'm leading a, a young team, now that I'm LeBron on my team, I can see how difficult it was, um, you know, when it was in Cleveland. And, and this is interesting because it was long thought that Kyrie left Cleveland because he didn't want to play under LeBron anymore. He was tired of getting sunned. And- that's
1: definitely why he left Cleveland. Well, exactly,
0: that's
2: pretty well established at this point in time.
0: Okay, well, exactly, right. So um, I just think it's kind of interesting that, like, because Kyrie could be saying this one of two ways. He could be saying this, like, truthfully honestly. And, he, you know, he did apologize to Jalen Brown because he did kind of go at him a couple times, you know, in the media, which you shouldn't do. But do you feel like this is sincere from Kyrie or do you feel like this is Kyrie saying that, like, yo, these young guys, you know, I'm playing with a bunch of Deion Waiters is out here?
1: Yeah, I, I don't really think it's that sincere. I think okay. – um, I don't know. He's maybe trying to, like, bury the hatchet with LeBron. He's trying to, like, remind everyone that he's the leader of this team. I also think it's just, like, incredibly out of touch in a way from Kyrie. Because if you listen to the comments when he talked about how he now understands, like, the kind of pressure LeBron was under as, like, the vet coming in and trying to like, Okay, you do not understand the type of pressure. Like, Kyrie Irving going to Boston and leading this, like, stacked young Boston team is nowhere near the same pressure that LeBron James was under when he went back to Cleveland and was trying to end that, like, 200-year Cleveland sports title drill. Like, it is not the same level of pressure at all. The only things that are similar is that Kyrie's won a ring, these young guys haven't, like, LeBron had won a ring, Kyrie and Love haven't. Like, sure, there are similarities, but the pressure is nowhere near the same, and I don't know. I just... (laughs) I, I guess it's tough to say whether he was actually sincere or not in his apology to LeBron, but I just think... I just think this whole thing is very Kyrie. Like, says something kind of stupid, um, half apologizes for it later, but, like, still keeps the story about him. Like, I, I don't know. i just not impressed. Other than his performance on the court. Which, hey, he's been phenomenal. Outstanding. No doubt. Outstanding. Yeah, outstanding. Not impressed his
2: by Kyrie. His best year so far. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I almost don't even think that sincerity has anything to do with it. Like, I believe that he called LeBron and sincerely apologized for, you know, the way that he behaved. Um during you know those those Cavs seasons but my feeling about this like when I initially saw it I kind of thought oh that's interesting like that's kind of big of Kyrie because we've been talking about like how he had sort of chafed against LeBron's leadership style and then was sort of enacting the same leadership style in Boston and I you know thought that was interesting so for him to acknowledge that uh, seemed like a sign of maturity but then A couple things stood out to me. One was him being like, you know, it takes a real man to call and apologize and say, look, I was young, which, sure, it does. But if you are coming out and saying that to, like, the media and publicizing this phone call that you had and saying it takes a real man to do this, that kind of defeats the purpose of the apology in the first place. And another thing is, like, if you are one of these players on the Celtics that Kyrie has publicly excoriated all season long... And you see him coming out and saying, you know, I called LeBron and was like, well, man, you know, I'm sorry. I didn't realize how hard it is to do this, to, like, try and whip a team into shape. Like, does that make you feel any better about about anything? Like, it's kind of just another way of throwing his teammates under the bus. And, like, yeah, I get, like, he's trying to figure out how to be a leader and how to get this team to where it needs to be. But I, I just feel like this is the kind of stuff that should probably stay behind closed doors. And... I would understand, like Jalen Brown, not really feeling appeased by this pseudo apology, because, look, again, this team came within a game of going to the NBA Finals without Kyrie last year. Came within a Jeff Green game. And so, for for Kyrie to come in and act like, sort of, you know, like he is the LeBron in this situation, like, I think it's fine to say that you know, you weren't appreciative of the way that LeBron chose to lead those Cavaliers teams and you want to do things a little bit differently. But to instead say, oh, I didn't realize how hard this was to do. Like, I'm sorry, LeBron. Like, I I recognize that now is sort of almost sending like the opposite message. And Kyrie's not on LeBron's level. LeBron's like one of the two best players of all time. And I feel like that kind of gives you a little bit of liberty to do things in your own way uh, in the way that I don't think Kyrie has necessarily earned.
0: Yeah, I, I look, I just think the whole situation of Boston has been awkward because I think those young guys, like, obviously gain a lot of confidence from that finals run. And it's like, man, you know, Kyrie, like, when Kyrie, you know, you you do all that without Kyrie, and then Kyrie comes back in the room and he's, like, you know, telling everyone to do this and that. And it's just, like, people don't want to hear that, you know? And that's where I think that's a situation where that's different from what LeBron had in Cleveland, right? Because, like, when LeBron got to Cleveland, like, Cleveland was not doing anything. Kyrie was good. He was a really good player, but like they weren't making the playoffs, not even sniffing no, the playoffs. They were
2: coming off the best he, season that
1: they'd had in the post-LeBron era, and they'd won 33 games. Also, yeah. the funny thing too is that Kyrie mentioned in when he was like talking about how hard it was to like you know have to go from being the guy in Cleveland to now like um, taking a backseat to LeBron. He even mentioned like about the fact that he was like coming off the All Star year and like the All Star MVP year. It's like, yeah, dude, you had a good game in an exhibition game. You still your, your team sucked when you were the best player.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I would get gas too if I cooked a Brandon Knight like that in the <laughs> in the Rising Stars game. But I mean, no. But seriously though, like, it, it was just a different situation. So for like, I, I understand which ways Kyrie relates to LeBron, but I also think this is one another one of the situations where Kyrie sort of like almost like stepping outside of his boundaries. Like, come on, man! Like, it's it's just it's not exactly the same situation. Really, what Kyrie should have done was just have more patience with the younger guys because look. It has been a frustrating year, and none of it's really on Kyrie in terms of on the court. Right, he's playing a lot better defensively. His playmaking is a lot better, and this is in a year where the Celtics really haven't had that many great performances out of their team. Horford's having a down year because of injuries. Hayward's obviously not back yet, although he's really turned the corner a little bit. Um, And a lot of these other guys, Rozier, Brown, they haven't really been the guys they were in the playoffs. But like, for you as a leader in that situation, you have to just make them understand, like, hey we got to buy into this bigger vision. We have so much talent on this team. We all have to buy in. And that's something you got to do behind closed doors and not in front of the media over and over again. You know what I mean? Now it's a story again. Yeah, I mean, like,
2: I'll say I understand the frustration. If you look up and down that Celtics roster, a team that, you know, most prognosticators expected to come out of the East, and that still might be the case. Look, there's a lot of season left to play, but, like, beyond Kyrie... And Marcus Morris, and maybe Marcus Smart, I feel like every player on that roster is disappointed in some way, shape, or form. So I I can understand him being frustrated, and yes, he's playing unbelievable, like probably the best season of his career. um, But him sort of publicly trying to make his way through this sort of uh, conflict of self and trying to figure out how to be a leader like basically in public is like I don't think doing a service to his teammates who I'm sure are like going through those same kind of struggles trying to figure out who they are as players and like trying to figure out why they haven't kind of had the season that they expected to have so I think that's been damaging um, but I, I don't think it's like irreparable I just think that they have to start figuring the stuff out um, like you said behind closed doors and not like sort of performatively come out and figure out what different ways he can find to throw his teammates under the bus.
1: You know what they need to find out behind closed doors? And I'm not like, if I was Kyrie Irving's teammate, I would need to like sit him down and be like, look, man, you've kind of gone back and forth on this. I need to know right now if you think the earth is flat. (laughs) I'm not, yo, I need, I'm not even kidding, man. If I was Kyrie Irving's teammate, I would be like, I need you to tell me right now to my face, do you or do you not believe the earth is flat? And if the answer to that question is yes, I'm never listening to a thing you say. I don't care. I don't care how good you are. I don't care that you're the best player on this team. Keep doing what you're doing on the court. Quote-unquote, lead us, and we'll see where we go. But I'm not listening to you ever again. If you tell me to my face right now, the earth is flat.
0: For some reason, I'm envisioning uh, the guy who's sitting down Kyrie is Gershon Yabusele with his <laughs> – uh, I think he's, his hair is blonde right now. Yeah. It was, yeah. like, pink a while ago, yeah. too. I don't know. Anyway, um, it it also was really funny that right after this, the immediate like media reaction was like, wow, what? Kyrie's a free agent. What if he signs with LeBron in, in, the, in Los Angeles? And it's like – any single person that has any tangential relationship with LeBron whatsoever just automatically goes to Los Angeles because that's that's how that's how it works for sure anyway um, never mind the fact that he he left them in the first place but uh, let's move on and talk about the trade deadline there's a couple of teams um, that should be sellers let's go through those first let's look at the players that might be available and then sort of match them with a couple of the buyers um, you know later on in the podcast but uh, let's start with the tanking teams I think we can agree that Cleveland, Chicago, New York, Phoenix, and Atlanta, as of right now, are the teams that are completely tanking, and they're pretty much going to sell any pieces of value. Do you guys agree or disagree with that?
2: I definitely agree, but I don't see a trade out there, really, that makes sense. I, I don't think anybody is going to trade for Kevin Love. Uh, he hasn't played. You know, Obviously, his contract situation is going to make it difficult to trade him to a bunch of teams, uh, and... I just find it hard to come up with a team that's going to want to take on that money, given all the uncertainties surrounding, uh, you know, where his production is going to go from here, given his age and his injury history, and you know the fact that he just hasn't been on court all season long, and I, you know, I don't know if he's getting close to returning, but I just don't see a Kevin Love trade happening. Tristan Thompson, like, is there a contending team that is going to want to take on that money that needs a center, and and presumably a backup center, because I don't think any you know, contending team right now has a center situation where Tristan Thompson is going to be an upgrade. Like, I, I don't know. I just and then you get into like their wings who, you know, maybe like you could get the Rockets on the phone and get them interested in like an Alec Burks or a Rodney Hood. But nobody's like,
0: interested in those guys. That's it. Like, remember I, I when just, Utah was winning like 30 games a year with Rodney Hood and Alec Burks. And then Cleveland was like, you know what? Let's get both of them. Do you yeah.
1: guys remember when Utah gave Alec Burks that extension, and people were saying he he had like DeRozan esque potential? And oh, I god. don't remember that. <laughs> well, oh, god. Good for you. Look, he, it was he, haunting.
2: I think the, I think the Cavs have already done well. Like they had a pre deadline sell off that you know getting sure getting a first round pick. Um, for and George a deal Hill. for George Hill was yeah. like
0: a great piece of business. Um, Even two seconds for uh, Corver is not bad, right?
2: Exactly. And then maybe they can flip Burks to somebody for like another second round pick. Like I think they've done fine already. I just don't see them as having any other moves to make.
0: Yeah, the only thing I would say about Cleveland is uh, about Kevin Love. I could see a team looking at Kevin Love the way Detroit looked at Blake Griffin last year. Right? It's like there's an established play- I know he's not as good as Blake Griffin is and quite honestly we didn't but you know even at the time we didn't think Blake Griffin was going to be this version of Blake Griffin right he's really re- reborn he's had one of his best years it hasn't mattered because the rest of <laughs> it's like
1: actually sad how good Blake Griffin yeah. has been and how little we've cared or paid attention because the pistons just stink dude yeah. when no, ish, i
0: mean, when when ish smith went down with injury it was like when cleveland lost lebron like that's the <laughs> how big of an impact ish smith had on yeah. detroit like that
2: that shouldn't be the case okay but here's the thing blake griffin before the trade last year he appeared in 33 games was averaging 22 and a half points eight yeah. rebounds and five and a half assists <laughs> per game and yeah. like we he, don't
1: even know if kevin love can do that on a fisher price court right now because he's not he's like not healthy like
0: yeah. Kevin and, Love is a very expensive uh Banana and, Republic or listen, I'm a big Kevin model. Love
1: fan. I I think if, if you know Kevin Love's healthy, even at this stage of his career, the guy's still an all star caliber talent. It's just can you in make that gamble? Yeah, in the East. Can you make that gamble? But you know Not know Like I don't know Maybe has he been Held out longer Than he needed needs to Because the Cavs Are shopping him I don't Like we don't know No if they were Shopping him They'd want
2: right him so To get then, reps Like they'd want Teams to see him So play. there you go
1: like, I, So is he worth the risk
2: Yeah
0: no He's played four games And he shot 32% From the field In those four games Like I just Yeah This you know what You're right This could be an Off season buy No one's buying him Right now Integrating him Into the season And getting him healthy Okay, what about Chicago? The the two guys I'm looking at in Chicago are Robin Lopez, who apparently the Bulls refuse to buy out, which is just a great policy to be like, no, you have to stay every day and run suicides. We're not buying you out. Uh, and Bobby Portis. So I think Bobby Portis might be more interesting out of the two of them. Yeah, I mean he's a an impending
2: restricted free agent, which I mean could make him kind of attractive just because I feel like
0: restricted free agency is generally more team friendly than player friendly. Yeah. But And if you're a contender, like, you might look at Portis as someone who, you know what, you might be over the cap, but if I trade for him now, then I could pay him. A, as compared to in the summertime, I can't actually pay him without his bird rights and stuff.
2: So what are the Bulls looking for in a trade for Portis? Like, they're not getting a first-rounder,
1: obviously. What, what, are they, what are they hoping I, to get back? Yo, I, the Chicago Bulls... Gave Jim Boylan a raise after oh, yeah. losing by like eighty points for the eightieth time this season. Okay, we there's no way we should even be trying to like figure out what they want. What they're, not, I'm serious, they're, man. They're like, logical. Look at the way this dude. They're running post ups for Robin Lopez.
0: That's why all they can't. The that's why they can't buy him out, man. They it's need. Like, yeah. No, they look, need they, a they are layouts. they
2: are going to end up buying out Robin Lopez. They are they they are like they're just they're not going to get anything for him in a trade. So what's the point of holding on to him? I mean. Again, Portis is like I was actually pretty high on Portis last year because I thought yeah. he showed some nice growth, but like I haven't really seen that from him this season. And again, that team's just been such a mess that maybe it's hard to say what he would look like in a different situation. But I, I just like don't see a team out there that's going to give up anything of value for this dude who like seems like he's kind of plateaued. Uh, and and I don't know if it's worth it for the Bulls to basically just dump him for no reason when maybe they can get him back on a team friendly deal in the off and hope to. I don't know. Keep developing into developing him into like a useful rotation player. Um,
0: I, I just I don't see a deal out there. Let me give you this deal: Delon Wright for Bobby Portis. Straight no. up, both restricted free agents.
1: The Raptors don't even think about it. Why not? They don't think about it. I don't think Masai Ujiri is touching a player like Bobby Portis with a ten foot pole.
0: Why player. is he? Because he's going to punch a teammate.
1: Because <laughs> he knocked a teammate out. Yeah, and like,
0: well, that is that is an impending that is an uh, impediment. But I also, where does Bobby Portis fit into the Raptors front court? It's just a backup big man, man. They're playing a lot of Greg Monroe right now.
1: Yeah, but that's only because, like, Greg Monroe is this team's, what, fourth big man? Like, he's only playing because Valanciunas is hurt. I got it.
0: Yeah. It's not like DeLon Wright's playing that big of a deal for the Raptors.
1: Yeah, yeah, but like, I think like, like, like where, where are you going to find minutes For Bobby Portis on a team With Valanciunas Serge Ibaka Playing the way he is Pascal mm. Siakam OG Ananobi When he's healthy Playing some like Small ball right. big like Not
2: only that But the Raptors bench Is already pretty light On playmaking And if you swap out DeLon Wright for Bobby Portis, who's a non-playmaker, I just I don't think things get any better there for that second unit. So
0: I'm just saying, most of the time, Norman Powell can make more plays than DeLon Ray King.
2: I think we should move on. I, I don't right. I don't think Bobby Portis is worth spending this much time talking about. All right, fair enough. Uh,
0: New York, you got Mudiay, who's having a, a bit of a breakout year. I I, I don't know, maybe I it's, I don't trust anybody's numbers on the Knicks to be honest. I don't think anyone takes them seriously. Von Leigh's having a nice year. Courtney Lee, obviously an established vet. Uh, with a bit of long-term money, Hisonia, and maybe even a guy like Luke Cornett, who I think Knicks fans have really gravitated to because he just reminds them of Chris Taps, because he is seven foot tall and he is shooting threes. But yeah, uh, that's about
2: the only similarity. That's 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 it, really. No, but I
0: do think the fourth seller,
2: his ability to pick and pop, makes him at least like a viable trade option for a lot of teams who I, I think okay. could use a stretch big man. Like he might be their most honestly. Vonley is the guy who. I think they might actually be able to get something for. And I think there are a lot of teams who should be looking to trade for Noah Vonley because... Apparently Philly's interested. Yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. Philly, yeah. like, OKC. I think there are a lot of teams that could use a guy like that who, A, I think has turned into, like, a very solid defender, um, can, guard four, can guard fours or fives, um, has, like, grown into a very solid rim protector and is shooting threes at, like, yeah. a, a pretty decent clip right now. So i think that's a guy who could help a playoff team uh in a lot of different ways and delon right for Noah no no <laughs> <laughs> um no but i think i actually think that's a good fit in philly that's, the, okay, the yeah. shame
1: is that like uh, in normal circumstances a guy like vonley who's breaking out a little bit in new york on this like rebuilding team who's headed towards i think restricted free agency um a guy like that would be like considered part of the future right it's like oh like this guy seems to be developing nicely. Like, we're a young rebuilding team. Let's keep him in the fold, see what the number we can bring him back at. But it just doesn't fit in New York because they've got these grand plans, right? In free agency to like oh, yeah, sign yeah. one or two max players. And so they just kind of can't afford to have these free agents that are going to have cap hold in right. the summer.
2: But there's also a lot of overlap there between him and Chris Debs, right? Like, I think.
1: But if you had like Vonley as like a third big on mm-hmm. like a young up and like, I think that's like a nice piece to have. It just. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So that, I mean, I mean again, I think it'll just come down to like if they can get you know a decent piece for him whether that's like they're not gonna get a first rounder but maybe they get a couple of seconds or maybe they get uh like another prospect back in return I just think that's a guy who could help a lot of playoff teams um but if they can't get anything of value for him then they by all means they should hang on to him and, and see if they can lock him up long term because I think he could definitely be part of like the next good Knicks team as a role player yeah um, I don't think they need to trade him I just think he's probably their best trade chip right now
0: Which is and it's training him is going to be strange because he is on a a minimum contract basically. Um, Phoenix Cash, you and I both saw the Suns live yesterday. I don't. Do you see anybody on that team you want? Like aside from Booker and Aiden, no. Um,
1: Although I will say I'm like interested. So T.J. Warren has always been like he's put up numbers for a couple of years now, and he's it seems like the obvious assumptions that it's just empty calories. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Like I'm kind of interested to see what he'd look like with a reduced role on a good team because like. There are certain things he does, like
0: he. Yeah, he like, was actually somewhat decent defensively. Yeah, like he's, he's somewhat Pascal, decent defensively,
1: and he's like, like just physically, he's versatile defensively. He can shoot from yeah. time, like. Okay. I think there's usefulness there. I just I don't know. It, it's hard to pinpoint when when most most of it is empty calories. I will say about the Suns though, seeing them um, up close yesterday, and not just like on the court, but off the court in the locker room. It's something I've said before, but like. A lot of times, there's a reason bad organizations are bad organizations, and it's just like a top to bottom thing. And the Suns are very much in that. Mm. In that,
2: well, who do you who you put like Robert Sarver at the top? There? I mean, yeah, for
1: sure, Sarver at the top. And I just think, mm-hmm. I don't know, not very impressed by DeAndre Ayton. <laughs> say that, okay. Um, I uh, I'm pretty impressed with Ayton. I mean, I haven't like
2: dealt with him on a personal level. Yeah, so
1: I, listen, I, I get the whole like players don't always want to talk post game, but like De, so DeAndre Ayton didn't talk uh, at shooter around yesterday, then didn't speak pregame. Um, didn't talk at shoot-around because he, sa- he said he doesn't like talking at shoot-around on days when he has to ice his knees. And then didn't talk post-game because he said he had some family. I guess he's got some family in Toronto. Oh, um, the Caribbean connection there. But he also said he just didn't want to talk because he took an L. It's just like mm. little things that I... And I don't even necessarily put it on Aiden. I put it more on the Suns. Mm-hmm. Because it's one of those things like a good organization that just doesn't happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? And And that's what i'm saying where i've just come to realize that a lot of these like bad teams that are perennially bad these bad organizations you just see the way it like seeps into younger players and it's a shame
2: right i think warren would be a good trade chip, but i also think the suns mm-hmm. could keep him because like, he's on a, a good team-friendly long-term deal and i think they could totally look at him and be like you know we could use this guy in the future like if the suns ever do become a decent team uh he'd be a valuable guy to have and like mm-hmm. His three point shooting is one of like the undersold stories of the season. This dude right. who like never averaged more than one and a half three point attempts a game came into the season as like a thirty one percent career three point shooter is shooting forty three percent from three on four and a half attempts per game. Yeah, so that's obviously boosted his stock quite a bit uh, and could make him really attractive to a lot of teams that need that kind of shooting. Thinking of maybe like. OKC, but again, I don't know what they would have to offer in return.
0: Yeah, we'll talk about OKC in the second uh, segment of the show. But they just they have no assets to return to other teams. And then lastly, I think the Hawks. I think it's been pretty noted that Jeremy Lin is pretty much on the block. You could probably get Vince. You know, you could probably get Dwayne Dedmon. You could probably get Ken Bazemore if you want to pay the extra money. Like I don't think you can get Vince. Oh, you can't get Vince?
1: Yeah, no, it's a uh, weird thing. Look, so when they were in Toronto, I straight up asked Vince Carter about like wanting to go to a contender at this stage of his career. He, one, shut me down saying that the Hawks are not out of the playoff race yet, which is... Oh, yeah. Yo, but two, said yo, that he's on, like you happy where this. he is and that like if he had wanted to just okay. do the whole join a contender thing, he would have done it, that he's happy with his situation with right. Atlanta, that he wants to remain on a team where he can play and help young guys. So, and I think the Hawks, like... Um, uh, Lloyd Pierce actually said they hope they can bring Vince back next year like continue being part of this process so I don't think they're looking to like dump Vince just to get like a second round pick or whatever you would get from him and I think he's happy there I think we'd all love to see Vince on a contender but I really don't think it's happening yeah I think that's fair and I think honestly
2: Lynn and Deadman and Bazemore are guys that teams are going to be more interested in acquiring I think uh, and for the Hawks like look they ended up getting nothing for Ilyasova and Bellinelli last year. They ended up buying those guys out and they turned into very valuable contributors Ye- for the 76ers. So I think the Hawks are probably going to be focused on just like getting whatever they can for Lynn and Dedman. And Bazemore might be a bit more of a long shot, but uh, Lynn and Dedman, like they, they should be able to yeah. get some sort of draft pick compensation for one or both of those guys. I think like... Uh, the Celtics those- could use like a backup center. Jeremy
1: Lynn's having such a good year.
2: He is, man. And like... Yeah. So many teams I feel like could use a guy like Dedman You know, like a a guy who can be a vertical threat Who can also, like, be a pick-and-pop threat uh, And who's pretty solid defensively Like, he's pretty plug-and-play And and I think there are a lot of teams who could use his services And, again, Lin, like, if you're a team that needs a backup point guard
1: Like, man,
2: he's shooting the hell out of the ball this season
1: Yeah And he's like a pick-and-roll maestro, too Like, he'll run run a really nice second unit
0: Yeah, I I can see, like, if you're at Detroit Why not not go sell out and get Jeremy Lin?
1: Yo, if yep. you're Detroit and you get Jeremy Lin, he's playing 35 minutes a game. He <laughs> <laughs> might play 40. Yeah, no, honestly. like, he he. Hold on. He, Jose Calderon is
0: for Dwayne Casey, so he's going to get 20.
1: <laughs> you don't um, even need Ish Smith if Jeremy Lin gets there.
0: <laughs> um, Jose Calderon, the original pound the rock. Um, okay, let's talk about teams that are going to blow it up, all right? So, that at least we think should blow it up. But I think it might be a little bit unlikely. And the teams that I'm looking at are the Grizzlies, the Pistons, and, you know, the wolves, the heat and the magic are also on the list. And even the Mavericks, and Mavericks is not blowing it up. You're not like selling everyone off, but like you may see this as an opportunity to sell because you know They I, just have a bunch of vets on expiring deals who yeah. are probably not gonna be there next
2: season. So And
0: they have they their their pick is top five protected. So if they tag now, it's not too late. It's not that late to get out of that commitment. I think it's too late for them to get a
2: top five pick, but I think that's fine. I think they should just be gearing everything toward building a team around Doncic. Mm. They don't need to make the playoffs this season. Like, if they can get anything for those guys, for Matthews, Barnes, uh, DeAndre, like, why not try and get it now? The the thing, this Dennis Smith thing is is confusing to me, right? Because,
0: So he's not going to travel with the team, by the way, on the upcoming road trip. Yeah, he's and he's not going to? He's not And apparently his agent called in sick for him. Yeah, that's that's, that's incredible. Bad. <laughs>
2: that's bad. Yeah. I mean, in the words of Kyrie Irving, it takes a real man to call your organization <laughs> and tell them you're not gonna come to shoot around. <laughs>
0: to shoot around.
2: Um, but it's just like I, I don't know what they're gonna be able to get for him because I'm thinking about it this way. Like, if they if they're looking for pieces that can fit around Doncic, in theory Dennis Smith is that kind of a guy like the the Mm -hmm. issue with him to me is like he's not a good enough playmaker to be a pure point and he doesn't really have the size to like match up with twos so the Mavericks are kind of like a perfect fit for him because you have a guy in Doncic who gives you like positional versatility because basically he can run the offense Dennis Smith can play off the ball while also guarding opposing point guards like it's a good situation for him and he's shooting the ball way better this year now that he like, doesn't have the ball in his hands as often. Like, he's shooting 37% from three because he's getting way more catch and shoot and less like, three-pointers off the dribble. Um, so I guess maybe it's just a personality thing where they don't feel like they're going to make it work. But if you're another team and you see like Dennis Smith can't make it work in Dallas where he should theoretically be a perfect fit, why are you giving up anything of value to get him? Yeah, the, well, weird thing Phoenix too, exists, so.
1: the weird thing too is that um, by all reports, like him and Doncic are pretty tight off the court. Like they live in the same apartment building, like building right. complex, and they've been bonding since the summer. So
0: they play like, Fortnite together. Yeah,
1: like they don't seem to be. Uh, Maybe like, it's a Carlisle thing. Yeah, it, but it probably but is. I think to your <laughs> point too, J- Everything you were saying about Sin is like what kind of everyone expected. Like, like he thrive off the ball. He's shooting the ball better. Like it, it looks like it should work. Yep. And the fact that him or his agent or both or whatever like seem to think he needs to be somewhere where he's like the ball dominant guy like I think it's a pretty risky proposition like he's got a chance to be part of something pretty cool like up and coming in Dallas and be a big part of it too with Doncic and yeah I don't know like
2: yeah well that's the thing where you wonder who's sort of driving who's pulling this strings. conversation like is it the team that's leaking these rumors uh, you know is it his camp that's amb- angling for a trade like who who is sort of driving uh, this narrative, I, I don't really know, but um, I just you would think- assume
0: it's from his camp, right? Because he is. Well, the team uh, said yesterday,
1: away. I think, that they want to keep him. Like, they're. That's, I mean, obviously, I don't think his like- camp
0: leaked that he had his agent call him sick, but okay, that part probably not. But uh, I mean, like the fact that he's staying away from the team is probably an indication that he wants to leave. But right. also, I mean, that is every team who is about to trade a player always says, "Oh, oh we want to make it work with him because it's just it's it's leverage, it's leverage." Um what Okay, so what about the Grizzlies? Um, this, is, this is a tough thing, right? Because we're going to talk about this. This is a common theme with all these franchises. But, like, it's a team that, like, you know, there's not a lot of fans coming to the games anyway. But if you get rid of guys like Marc Gasol and Mike Conley who are, like, Memphis citizens at this point, right? They have not played for any other team. Marc Gasol went to high school in Memphis and stuff like that. If you trade those guys... You might lose the franchise. You know what I mean? Yeah, but then what's. Relocate back to Vancouver.
1: Yeah. But for real, what's the alternative? Like, to me, I was. I know, like, Joe, you were kind of higher on the Grizzlies than we were coming into the season. For me, it wasn't even necessarily like being down on Conley and Gasol. And I even like Jaron Jackson. But I don't know. I just. I look at this team and I think it's kind of been proven. But even when they're healthy in the Western Conference, they're just not good enough anymore. Um, and if they're and healthy, now, it's a big And end. now Gasol is starting to slow down again, just like he did last season. Not sure if it's just like indifference and not caring as much because they're sliding out of the playoff race. But so, okay, on one hand, you trade them and you lose a bunch of fans that you're probably already losing anyway, based on the way the team's performing. But like, what's the alternative? You let both of them play out their contracts. Like see their values diminish over the next couple of years, and then eventually lose them for nothing, or sell them off for less than you could trade them for now. Like, then the fans are going to leave anyway because you are going to be bad for a longer period of time. So, I, I, they definitely should not be making these decisions based on how how attached fans are to Conley and Gasol because, like, it's over, guys. Sorry to tell you.
0: I probably keep Conley, but I definitely look into moving Gasol.
1: Yeah,
2: it's just it's another one of those situations where it's like. I don't know if they can even get enough for Gasol to make it worth their while to trade him. And yeah, and that goes back to what you were saying. It's like, if you're not going to get an asset that helps you pivot into a rebuild, then is it really worth it to trade this beloved franchise icon who can at least keep you like somewhat relevant and not terrible? Like, the only thing with that is, how badly do they want to keep their pick this year, which is top eight protected? You know, trading one of those guys, I feel like would pretty much assure that they would get to keep that pick. But as it is, I think they have a decent chance of like getting a top eight That's pick. True. They're not that far off. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. They're they're in a tricky situation. I think you could you could put together some interesting Mike Conley trades if they were willing to deal him. Right. And and that is more interesting to me than the Gasol thing, just because I don't think that anybody is is giving you anything for, for Gasol at this point. So
1: just, uh, Grizzlies are the seventh worst record in the league right now. Oh, this so Yikes. there you go.
2: Like, you know, they can they can ride this out, keep their pick, uh, and roll it over and see if they can make another run at it next year. But yeah, I mean like Gasol's fall off just from where he was at the start of the season is really, really concerning. And I I think they just missed the boat on that, man. Like they missed their window to trade him and, and yeah, like they get did. anything back. So
0: uh, they're kind of stuck right now As I see it um, What about a team like uh, The Wolves Right um, They have pieces that I think Now that there's like This new sort of regime In place And things like Oh kind of new I don't really know But you know You could maybe get Something of value For Derek Rose Although I think he's probably The main attraction In, in Minnesota right now And then like Jeff Teague I'm sure fans would love to trade him. I, I don't know which teams are taking him on, or even a guy like Taj Gibson. That's probably the guy that's probably the most soluble. or even like an Anthony Tolliver type. Like,
2: what about Derrick Rose? Derek I, just, Rose might I don't there. know.
0: If Minnesota wants to get rid of Derrick Rose just because he literally actually pulls in fans still, and like, so okay. But now that Tibbs is not
2: there anymore, I, yeah, yeah. Honestly, and given the fact that he he's so cheap and you know is on an expiring deal, like he might be their best trade asset
1: yeah I think the wolves that it's the perfect segue into like the next few teams we're going to talk about because I think they're all in a similar boat where like I think it would be prudent for all these teams to explore trades like that are future minded, but I think all of these teams rightly or wrongly believe they're in the play like think they should be gunning for the playoffs this year and are going to be gunning for the playoffs this year. Minnesota, like chief among them like Glenn Taylor, Scott Layden, I think they see this as we're going like we're trying to make the playoffs. Um, they only got two home games, two home playoff games out of the Thibodeau era after all the money they spent on it. Like, they want to make the playoffs, and I don't think they're going to be trading any of these vets, even though they should. They're not going to. Like, yeah. they're still only— and It's easy for us to say they should just sell off. Like, they're, what, two games out of a playoff spot right now? Yeah, but
2: in, in the West, like with Agreed. all the teams they're competing for, like Agreed. those two games are not really two games. They should you know?
1: definitely be selling guys off. I'm just saying if you're in their position, and you're drinking your own Kool-Aid, right. and you're like, you know, we're only two games out— We've kind of tread water since the Butler trade. Towns looks good again. Wiggins is now good once every three nights instead of once every four nights. Like yeah. things are in the. But I, I just like I don't think that trading Derrick Rose is necessarily
2: going to torpedo that team either. Like I, I think they I don't still... know, man.
0: Derrick Rose is really important to this team at this point, which he is has been. Kind of sad, but you know it is what it is.
2: The way I see it, like if if they can get something for Rose and or Teague, they should do it. Like they should just be tearing it down around Towns. Covington and Saric like those to me are the guys that you build around and obviously Wiggins just because you know They're stuck with him and like they got to get whatever they can out of him as long as he's on that contract, but like Around the margins like I think Tyus Jones needs to be getting more burn like he's injured right now But you know if you clear one of those point guards out of the way um, Then I think that makes sense and and I think you just got to start thinking like a little bit more like a couple years down the road Right like they're not gonna be competitive for the next couple years with the team they have now Um, but if, you know, they start building around towns and they can start, I think, seeing like more of a long-term future that has a little bit more shape than what their future has right now.
1: Ty's Joe should have been getting more minutes for like the last two years and they went out and got Derrick Rose, which I guess in the
2: end worked out for them, but. Well, it's worked out for them and it can work out for them really well if they can flip him for, you know, Mm -hmm. something decent. Um, but for now, like. Where does he factor into their future? That's my thought. And I feel the same way about Teague. Like, I don't think either of those guys really has a place in the Wolves' future. And I feel like Tyus Jones does or could. So I would be trying to trade those guys now.
1: I think Glenn Taylor sees it as his place in the future, is so he'll help them sell, like, 50 extra tickets a night. Oh,
0: yeah. I remember when they can, Derek, or what's his name? Thibodeau because he wouldn't meet with marketing and stuff? Uh, yeah, it is what it is. Um, well, in
1: fairness, though, Thibodeau did have the president title. Like, if you don't want to handle yeah, yeah, that yeah, side yeah. of the business, don't take that role.
0: That's true. Um, what about a team like the Heat? Because they... they It's not like they're out of the playoffs. They're playing really well right now, and I could really see a case for even the Heat becoming buyers just to get another piece that can actually stay healthy and be in the rotation, but they also have a lot of pieces that could be moved. I think that one guy on the team that... Um, you know is probably going to be available is Wayne Ellington who is a shooter teams always want an extra shooter and he hasn't really been in the rotation of late and he's gone to management and told them that he's not happy with this new arrangement he's not happy for not playing and you know Miami does have a lot of wings they kind of prefer to have defense over offense right now and Ellington could be a team that a lot of contenders could use uh
1: yeah Ellington's the only one that makes sense to me because he's fallen out of the rotation there um but as far as the other guys like there I don't think Miami They're not even thinking about a sell-off. Like, the only time I can remember in my lifetime, at least during his Heat tenure, that Pat Riley has accepted a rebuild or at least a sell-off in-season was the year the Heat were like 15 and 67. I think Wade got hurt. They ended up drafting Beasley that year. And that year, they just seemed like they accepted their fate. But it was because it was so far gone, they had no other choice to. Well, they also spent
2: a couple of years just sort of like hoarding cap space.
1: And, like, and that's what I was going to say. And then... That. But even those two years, they because of Wade's brilliance, they were still a playoff team. They still won yeah. 45 games each year. And then even the year that they they traded Marion to Toronto to get Jermaine O'Neal's expiring to make room for those guys, it, they still were able to stay competitive. Like, they've only truly tanked once. And again, it's because they were so far gone. Like, if they're hovering around 500, which they are, if they're in, like, that bottom half of this disgusting East playoff race, which it's they're going to so be, nasty. Pat Riley is not selling off anyone. Well...
2: It doesn't have to be a total tank job, though. I feel like they might just want to try and get a little bit leaner going forward, and they have all these contracts on their books that are bogging them down. And, like, I don't know if there's going to be any kind of market for James Johnson or, like, Tyler Johnson. (laughs) Um, Or, like, Kelly O'Linick, I think, could be a really interesting trade candidate. Like, he's somebody who could help a lot of different teams. Like, maybe if they can just get off of one or two of those salaries, suddenly they have a little bit more financial wiggle room. And then their future doesn't look so doom and gloom the way that it does now, just because I feel like they're going to be mediocre for the next four years as things stand. Um, another guy I was thinking, like, like maybe Goran Dragic? Now they kind of, like, handed point guard duties to Justice Winslow. Winslow
0: looks great in this point And
2: um, Dragic has his knee injury. He hasn't played for a while, and he's not really expected back, I don't think, until after the All-Star break. But I don't know, man. A team that's kind of desperate for point guard help... Maybe tries to buy low on
1: him.
0: I can't wait for Detroit to think they got the next Reggie Jackson.
1: (laughs) The worst thing that probably happened in the heat was them like. Accidentally on purpose being semi competitive in the years following LeBron's departure because if they oh, 100... That, if, that 30 and 11 run that led to yeah. them handing out all
2: these when, like four year, $52 million contracts
1: that summer, and they had the worst record in the league at the Midway, they were 11 and 30. Like, yeah. if, if they end up with a good pick that year, if they keep the rebuild and then say go into this summer with a decent young nucleus and maximum, even for one max player, who in this room doesn't think the Heat get one max player when there's like 10 of them available this summer? It's my like, they'd yeah, get one hands down they just would have got one yeah and
0: yeah. instead they're stuck with this and we didn't even talk about Deion Waiters um, and then finally the magic I mean the magic are very interesting because I think Terrence Ross is probably available and it depends on which teams really value Terrence Ross like that he is having a nice year um, Vucevic is probably gonna make the all-star team and you he know should. 100% and you know Joe you wrote about this whole topic of whether or not they should trade or not trade Vuce but even a guy like Aaron Gordon could be potentially on the market and it really just all depends on how Orlando sees itself. Do they want to gear up for another two or three years of tanking, or do they want to sort of retain all their assets and try to build? I have sort of come
2: around to thinking that they should keep Vooch and sort of try and build around him for the next few years until those young guys kind of come into their own. Because right now, I, I just think they're so far away, and I still really believe in Jonathan Isaac especially. I think he has a chance to be really good. I, I just think he's... At least a couple of years away from being a meaningful impact player and like in the meantime they can be pretty decent they just need to get some kind of playmakers like they need a point guard so so badly and if they get that then i feel like suddenly they might start to look like an actual playoff team and i think Vucevic has been so good he's 28 squarely in his prime I don't know what kind of market there's going to be for him this summer just because the center market is so saturated that they might be able to keep him on, you know, a team-friendly deal. I don't know if it's worth it for them to trade him right now when they've been so bad for so long and, they actually have a chance to make a playoff run this year. I feel like that's what they're going to value more than anything. Um, so, yeah. But then again, like, I don't know how they're going to acquire that point guard. And maybe trading Aaron Gordon is the way that they do that. Um, but I don't think Terrence Ross is going to get them a point guard in return. Like, I think they, they can maybe flip Ross for, like, a pick or, like, a long-shot prospect. Um, but I don't know. It's just hard. It's, it's hard to see, like, how they're going to maneuver this thing and, and rebalance their roster. Because right now their problem is their front court is just so log jammed and
0: they they don't have any playmaking. It's crazy. Well, this is what happens when you draft centers nonstop and then you get no point guards ever except yeah, for D.J. Augustine Yo, and, honestly, and Jerry though, and Grant.
1: Listen, D.J. Augustine, for as much of a punchline as... <laughs> Listen, he, he shouldn't be the starting point guard on a team of playoff aspirations, clearly. No, he'd be a wonderful backup. But guard. exactly. He's been really good for yeah, it. And, his- and, I mean, again, they're not trading him. But if they were, like, that's a guy that, you know, a contender that needs a, another playmaker should definitely be in the running for him.
0: Yeah. Um, okay, I think that mostly does it for, in terms of the sellers, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back, and we're going to match some of these players that we talked about uh, to some buyers around the NBA. Hey listeners, a friendly reminder to rate, review, and subscribe to Pound the Rock on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. We also urge you to check out our other shows on the Scores Podcast Network. For baseball fans, there's Expand the Zone, Sweeper Keeper, covers the world of soccer, and there's the Fantasy Football Podcast with Justin Boone. Please also download the Score app, where you can find all our featured content, live scores, and the most up-to-date breaking news. Thank you, and back to Pound the Rock. Welcome back to the second half of Pound the Rock. We're going to talk about the buyers in the market right now. We're going to start with Houston, who are probably the most uh, desperate team. I mean, they've been desperate for the start of the season onward. They were going to trade four first-round picks for Jimmy Butler to ruin the team chemistry. And now they don't have Capella for the next month. CP3 doesn't look anywhere close to returning. Um, even a guy like Daniel House, who they really needed, he somehow like couldn't get a two-way contract converted or whatever. So he's back in the G League. Like. It, it's uh it's awkward in houston they're, they're relying on guys like james nunnally all right so uh wolf on what who is one player that the, the houston Rockets should be targeting right now
2: um that's a good question i the thing with the rockets is like they don't really have anything to trade um i mean i mean aside from like their first rounders i guess uh but Then, you know, they got to attach salary filler to make it work, which I guess would be like Brandon Knight, uh, maybe Eric Gordon. I think the thing with the Rockets that actually might make this easier for them is they just need so little. All they really need is somebody who can shoot and defend, like, to a reasonable level. Like, look how valuable Austin Rivers has been for them. And that's a guy they just plucked off the buyout market, right? Like. This is a team, you know, we're talking about those Cavs guys like, you know, Rodney Hood or Alec Burks. Like, the Rockets could use a guy like that and they wouldn't have to give up a whole lot to get them. Like, they just need more warm bodies right now. And all they really need is guys to spot up around Harden and he can basically do the rest. Um, As long as, like, they're able to defend competently, I feel like their offense will be okay. Like, they just need... You're talking about Daniel House, like... Again, like, that, like, he was just a two-way guy who ended up being a really valuable contributor for them. Yeah. And the fact that they didn't convert his contract just basically tells me that they think that they can get somebody who can give them comparable production. And I feel like they probably can. Uh, like, they don't need to be targeting, you know, A-plus trade chips. Like, they just right. need guys who can basically, like, fill in the gaps. Austin Rivers types, basically, you know, who can spot up and defend.
1: Luke Cornett.
0: <laughs> <being> sure. <laughs> yeah. They need a Joe Chi replacement, so yeah. there you go, Luke Hornet. But they
2: can aim low, you know what I'm saying? That, like yeah. they and you know eventually Chris Paul's gonna come back. I don't know in what state he'll be. Like eventually they're gonna get healthy. In the meantime, they just need to stay afloat, and I feel like Harden can keep them afloat. He needs a little bit more help than what he has right now.
0: Yeah, that's uh, Yeah, that's the thing with Houston. They they honestly it's funny. When you look at all the players we mentioned, I'm like, yeah, they could use they could use you know, they, they, could they, can they can use Terrence like, yeah, The use Rockets Lynn, can use
1: like Any everybody. Like NBA Rotation caliber talent Yeah, yeah. We're spot.
2: all here wringing our hands Because so they, we, they Didn't convert Daniel no. House's contract Honestly I want to see Hart the, the far footage far.
1: Of uh, Wolfon's G-League tryout I think the Rockets Could use <laughs> Yo, him well, right now. <laughs> now Like,
2: Listen man I can hit a Stationary
0: spot up You're three Then done. get
1: in the corner And Harden will find you
0: Um yeah, I mean that's that's the best part about James Harden. In the year is just like literally, literally, it's nobody to pass dude. Just keep shooting the ball every single time.
1: Yeah, this dude scored over a hundred and what, hundred and thirteen points, hundred and fifteen points in two nights. He was assisted on zero of those points.
2: Yeah, that's just one of the wildest stats of well, the NBA he was, <laughs> season so far, man. It's it's actually ridiculous. What, he was what he's assisted doing
0: right now. by the referees. All right, <laughs> um, the, the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, Info Wars. Over here? They could. They could really use a couple of pieces here. Um, who would you be looking at if you are Elden Brand and Company?
1: Noah Avant. I think. I mean, you guys mentioned him as like a guy that would fit. I think they could use him. I think he would also replace some like a front court depth mm-hmm. they lost um, when they got rid of Starach totally. and even Covington, who sometimes played like a small ball four in some lineups. Anyone who can they who they can get who would be like an
2: upgrade on Mike Muscala, I think would be a good addition for them. Yeah. And they, to me, are the team that's like maybe most likely to make a deal just because they have a need. Uh, they're in win now mode and they have a bunch of trade pieces that they can move. I mean, Markel Folks is the obvious one that we haven't talked about Oof. him in a while. I don't know where he is or how close he is to getting back on the court. Uh, but then they have Wilson Chandler's expiring contract to use a salary filler. They have that 2021 uh, Miami Heat pick if they want to get ambitious. Um, but again, like they can afford to kind of aim a little bit lower, and, and Dwayne Dedman would really help them. Vonley would really help them. O'Linick would really help them. Taj Gibson? Uh, Gibson, I don't know, just because he doesn't give them that floor spacing that I feel like they need. Uh, and you could hit an open jumper on the baseline. I think they would probably prefer, like, Jamichael Green, actually, okay, on Memphis yes. would be an interesting yeah, that's, guy that's for them nice to target. Uh, and then if they wanted to go for, like, a 3 and D wing, like, you know, maybe the Wizards are going to be willing to,
0: like, flip Ariza again. Um, no, remember, Ted Leonsis literally came out and was like, I'm, I'm not tanking, guys. Just straight I'm not tanking. Well,
1: I'll let Ernie run this thing into the ground for 15 more years, but Tank, <laughs> we have too much pride for that. Um,
2: so maybe not Ariza, but, like, Wes Matthews, maybe? We hit our quota for a cash wizard slander out of nowhere it's. I'm out,
1: guys. It's a good podcast.
2: Um sorry, what? Who's last name? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Forget it. All right. <laughs> no, <laughs> Who's
2: next? Uh Wes Matthews, I was thinking maybe I oh, yeah, uh, yeah. could help them. Um and again, like they you know, they have Chandler's salary to kind of offset um Matthews' contract. Matthews is also an expiring, but I feel like just for the rest of this year, mm-hmm. as a guy who can still defend pretty well yeah.
0: um and can still hit threes, like why not? Yeah, I think he he fits the identity of the team too. He's he's a little bit, he's not nasty, but he like he has a lot of fight in him too. And like the rest of the Philadelphia team is just like, don't go toe to toe with anybody. Um, OKC, the the, the the tricky thing with OKC is they just have no assets to trade. Right, like nobody wants Patrick Patterson and. Right. Alex Sabrinas. That's not a combo that's going to get you back anything of value. No,
2: I mean, those are just the salaries that they could use. But they, they have, like, Hamadou Diallo, Terrence Ferguson. For, I, just,
0: I think Ferguson's not, too
2: valuable for them to move right now, you know? It depends, like, how much you believe in his recent three-point hot streak. He, he's had two games yeah. now where he has hit, you know, six and seven threes. Yeah. I just wouldn't trust it, I don't think. Um, okay. And, and I think if I was them, I would prefer to have a proven guy uh, who can, you know, space the floor for them and, and just, like, give them a little bit more depth. Like, their bench has just been getting absolutely murdered lately. right? And Patterson, as a backup four, is just not cutting it. Like, they they need a backup four in the worst way. And they're another team where I feel like, you know, a Le or a Jermichael Green or, like, a Willie Hernan Gomez, somebody like that, mm-hmm. uh, who can give them a little bit of stretch and a little bit of defense at the four position off the bench would really help. Um, and they could also just use another wing who can shoot. Like, Terrence Ross, I think, would be a really good fit there. Ellington would be a good yeah. fit there. Uh, Reggie Bullock would be a good
1: fit there. I, I'm officially concerned about the Thunder, by the way. Like
0: they, oh, my God, this, yeah.
1: that, They were in that trio with the Nuggets and Warriors as, like, the three teams in the West that seemed to have separated themselves and should look like playoff locks. Uh, the Thunder, they've lost six of their last ten. They're still in third, but they're now only three games clear of ninth. They've got the toughest schedule in the entire league remaining, not just in the West. Yeah and their last two losses have been to teams they were favored by by 10 points or more and they lost both by double digits this team's in trouble
2: for a team with as difficult a remaining schedule as they have they could not afford to drop those games against the hawks and the lakers and i think at this point you know beyond pulling a trigger for a trade you know uh, i think they just need westbrook to rediscover his shot and you know we talked we talked about his three-point shooting but like He shot 5 of 12 from 3 last night. He shot 2 of 18 from 2-point range. How is that possible? (laughs) Yeah, how is that possible? Yeah. And, and like, you know, again, he's done everything else pretty well this season. Like, he's been overall, I think, still a a big plus. Like, they've been great with him on the floor. But I I still think it's going to be untenable if he can't rediscover his shot to some degree. Because a big part of his game, like, forget the 3-point shooting, like, just Pulling up for mid-range out of the pick and roll Is like a, a big part of what's made him effective The last few years And if he can't do that effectively Then I just feel like they're going to be in some real trouble um, But yeah for, for me like their bench has been the biggest issue Lately and uh, Upgrading that backup for a spot Should be priority number one
0: Yeah um, I mean look listen Trade the farm for Chip England <laughs> If you can get Russell Westbrook to actually shoot Like he's a respectable player Then like yeah so. This team will be really, really, really benefited from that. Look, Kobe, in his retirement tour season, had a true shooting percentage of 47, okay? It was really bad. He was taking all sorts of terrible shots. And, um, you know, people didn't care because it was Kobe's last year and whatever. The Lakers were letting him do whatever. Byron Scott was driving the tank into the ground. Russell Westbrook's true shooting percentage right now is 47%. Man. League average is 55. Yeah, Hang him up, that's Russ. crazy. Hang him up. Russ. Yo, and, can you, and can like, you imagine the Russell Westbrook retirement tour? <laughs> oh, my God. I can't wait. I really can't. Because he's never leaving OKC ever. But I mean, what's crazy about that is in his
2: MVP season, his true shooting percentage was 55%, which, again, league average. Right. yeah. But given the load that he was carrying and how little help he had around him, to go from being league average to being at 47% now that's kind of crazy like yeah. his effectiveness like his, his efficiency should have gone up now that he has Paul George playing next to him like he should be getting easier shots like having less pressure on his shoulders now for whatever reason like his true shooting percentage has dipped
0: 8% yeah it, I mean, it's 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 really bad it's, it's just really
2: baffling bad. like and you know that's why i sort of expect that it's going to come around because i don't really see the reason for it other than just it's, like, ridiculous prolonged slump. Um, but I don't. it's not like I see anything where it's, like, the process has changed to the point that, like, you know, it explains why his
0: efficiency is totally tanked. Um, okay, next team on the list, the Toronto Raptors. Um, the Raptors should be a team that buys, but I would add the caveat that Masai Ujiri uh, just doesn't like making trade deadline moves. He did do so two years ago by getting pj tucker and serge abaca at the trade deadline it did help the raptors but uh, for the most part he doesn't like doing that and really the raptors i think they could use some things like they're a bottom 10 three-point shooting team they could really use a guy like ellington for example but I mean it's just it's just tough finding a trade with the Raptors. I mean does anything come top of mind for you guys? If you were Masai, are you looking at any of these guys or are you just kind of rolling with like the buyout market?
1: Yeah, I think like a guy like Ellington does make perfect sense, but what are you giving up for him if you're getting rid of yeah. a guy from that young core? I don't think it's worth it. Uh, I do think the I think this more than any year in Raptors history is when the buyout market does make sense. You hope a shooter, and it doesn't have to be like a big name. Like even it doesn't even have to be a guy as good as Wayne Ellington. It's like a shooter comes available on the market, and you just plug him in. And he might play eight minutes a night. He might not play at all some nights. But mm-hmm. like we've seen time and time again that like championship teams just have those guys kind of kicking around on the roster, and the Raptors really never haven't. Um, I think this is the year to go get one.
2: I think low key they could also use another big, like, a Deadman. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just
0: because... How much do you I, trust Ibaka? I, how hungry are you? I, I'm, I've I'm come
2: around on trusting Ibaka just because...
1: As long as Lowry's on the floor.
0: Yeah. I mean, again, like... <laughs> Nobody Low- knows how, a, no one a, else knows how to pass but, the ball to Serge. It's so easy. Just pick and pop, throw the pass to him, lead him to the elbow, and he's going to hit the jumper 100 I've gained a
2: new appreciation for the pocket pass this season, just given <laughs> how effectively Lowry throws it and how poor the rest of the Raptors' guards are at, like... Just finding Ibaka for that elbow jumper, um, he's been automatic for that from that spot. And the fact that I've seen him actually now do it over a prolonged stretch has given me more confidence in him. But um, and, and some of these problems will go away when Valanciunas comes back, right? Because those guys will yeah, just split sure. the center minutes. And I think in the playoffs, as long as they're both healthy, that'll be fine. But in the meantime, they're too reliant on Greg Monroe. And if they could get another guy to basically take over that third uh, bench big role, Bobby Portis. Not Bobby Portis, but like I, I like Deadman for them, okay. You know, or somebody like that, um, because yeah, I, I don't think they want to be relying on Greg Monroe come playoff time. So I, I also
0: just kind of like the idea of the Raptors having another defensively solid big man, right? Like Jv is situational. Monroe is just can't guard anybody. Serge is really the guy you trust the most, and then past that, it's like Pascal Siakam at five. Like that's not a great option either, especially in the playoffs. Like even if you get a guy like Deadman and you have him for spot situations where let's say Serge is in foul trouble. Right? Like, like let's say he picks up two quick fouls against Embiid. Like what are you gonna do? Like you're gonna play J V for a long time and like what are you gonna you know what well, I mean? Like, I think it's going f- up
2: against Embiid, you're playing J V anyway. Yeah,
0: yeah okay. okay. Maybe another example, but like you know what I mean? Like it, it will just help to have a bit more the, front court depth. I
1: do think though, like player satisfaction has to like be taken into account too. And maybe not so much with Monroe, but like Deadman, like does, do you wanna bring in Deadman and then make him like your fourth big and then Monroe becomes your fifth big? Like I don't know, like does that cause some sort of discontent?
2: Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, look, the Raptors have a lot of versatility, and so I'm not too concerned about this. That's why I'm saying it's like it would be a nice bonus. But, um, like against Milwaukee, say they can afford to downsize and play oh, yeah. at center, For sure. you know. And against the Sixers, I think they can manage with JV out there banging bodies with Embiid. He's had a lot of success doing that in the past. And against Boston, you yeah. know, Serge Ibaka's been really good against Boston this season. Like, I think they have a lot of options and a lot of flexibility there that they'll probably be okay. It's just a question of them being healthy. Um, and they've really missed JV. Uh, so yeah. I- I'm kind of thinking just, like, in the meantime, it'd be nice to have another big. But ultimately, I think they'll be fine.
0: Yeah, that's the thing with the Raptors. Like, they are a very well-balanced roster. Um, and their needs are a little bit bigger. Like, if they really want to make a substantive improvement, it's really just if you can get a more reliable secondary score. Or if you can get, I don't know, like, acupuncture for Kyle Lowry's back. Because that would really <laughs> help, too. Um Let's wrap up with the Lakers, who, uh, again, as we know, the Lakers are getting every single player in the NBA. So, you know, take your pick. Chances are I think they're going to get a reason and call it a day.
1: Um, you know what? I'll, this kind of takes away from a future segment, but let's just throw Carmelo Anthony beside the Lakers' name. Not that they need him, but uh, Sam on, Amick bro. reporting that the Lakers, the most likely landing spot for Carmelo Anthony, who is expected to join a team before the trade deadline.
0: You think LeBron saw Michael Beasley check into the game with the wrong shorts on? And was like, yo, I don't know, we, we need Melo, man.
1: <laughs> and LeBron was like, look, if nothing else, Carmelo Anthony is a professional. He will not do this.
0: <laughs> oh, God. Um,
2: yeah, I mean, there's, I don't see a, a, a move for the Lakers to make, really. And I've sort of cooled on this idea. Like, I, I, I mean, I like the idea of them trying to trade for Beal or Vucevic. I just don't think those guys are actually going to be available. I mean, they will. It be really for... does
0: seem like they're holding their assets for AD. Like, right. if they're going to make a big trade like that, this really does seem like AD is the guy.
2: Yeah, which, I mean, I'm kind of skeptical just because, you know, their young guys have not really played themselves into that conversation as being trade chips for AD. Mm-hmm. But I just, the the sense I get is like the Lakers are going to keep their powder dry yeah. and they're not going to make a trade unless it's for a like huge difference maker. And... So, you know, the difference makers that I think could conceivably be available, like Vucevic would be one and maybe Beal would be another. I just, I don't think it's, I don't think they're going to do it. So I I think the Lakers more or less stand pat unless they make like a really underwhelming move. Uh, And maybe Ellington's the kind of guy they bring in. But like... um, They had
0: Ellington before, remember that? Did they? Yeah, he yeah. was on like those Robert Sacre teams. You got to be a real Laker fan to, <laughs> <Man>. to have <laughs> watched those Sacre teams.
1: Robert Sacre might be the worst player in the history of the NBA. Uh, great, great
2: bench celebrations though. Yeah, yeah, seriously. great guy.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, and then we're gonna finish the list with the Pacers, which uh, Joe Wolfon definitely put on this list by himself here. <laughs> The Indiana Pacers. What are the Pacers getting before the trade deadline? I feel like Tyreek's been disappointing from them.
2: He has, and I think what the Pacers really need is just, like, one more high-end offensive initiator. We said this coming into the offseason. I guess that was supposed to be Tyreek. It was supposed to be Tyreek, and he's just, unfortunately, had such a poor season. And, like, I don't... Yeah, he looks checked out. Like, I don't know. Like, he yeah. Th- like, well, he's he's I always if, been,
0: like, a low-key kind of guy, but, I don't like, know
2: if it's checked out, but, like... He's never been a great finisher at the rim But he has been miserable Finishing at the rim this year Um, Like he's started to shoot the ball a little bit better lately But I I just think like And they could upgrade their point guard spot too right Like Mm. I I wonder if They feel confident going into the playoffs With like Darren Collison as their starting PG Yeah
0: Yeah But you know what? He is... It it is strange because, like, they rely so much on, like... You know what I mean? Like, it's weird because every other team in the NBA plays, like, pick and roll through their point guard. Mm -hmm. And then there's Indiana being like, no, we'll set up, like, post-ups for Turner and Simonis, and we'll give the ball to Oladipo to be a shooting guard and we'll... Have Bogdanovich come yeah. around screens If that's going to post they, up yeah.
2: They make it work to a reasonable degree Just because A, like they have a lot of really good shooters yep. Yep. Bogdanovich is having a great season They execute really well And they execute really well Like The, the way that they move the ball and um, execute their sets Allows them to be effective But they don't really have somebody Aside from Oladipo Who can kind of like puncture the defense And I just think it would be really helpful For them to get a guy like that And I mean... I have long felt that they would be a great Kemba Walker trade destination. Oh, I don't man. see that happening this season. That would season. be nice. But, like, Mike Conley, like, they could put together a pretty interesting Mike Conley trade package, I think. Isn't Mike Conley from uh, from Indiana? I don't know. That
0: but right. I, I think
2: they would probably have to put Miles Turner on the table in that situation. And I don't know if the Grizzlies would want that, given that they are kind of, you know, invested in Jaron Jackson as their their big man of the future. Um Yeah, he went to high school in Indiana. There you go. Yeah. Uh, So, And the problem is, like, they just don't have any other good young assets. Like, they have Sabonis and Turner, who I imagine they want to keep. And and then, I don't know, they have, like, Aaron Holiday. That's their next best young, you know, prospect that they could use in a trade. And it's just, I don't think it's enough to get it done. Like, they have all these interesting, like, mid-level salaries and a lot of expiring deals that they could use. To put a trade package together, but they don't have the assets to attach unless they want to do like multiple first rounders. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, it, like they could do like, say, you know, Doug McDermott and Corey Joseph and then like a couple of firsts, which yeah. I think mean, it's not blowing anybody's yeah. socks off. Yeah. yeah. No. If that
1: team wants any, like has any shot to beat one of like the Raptors, Bucks, Sixers, or Celtics, they need one more player who, like, scares defense. Like, that defense is actually respect. as like, a guy who can create his own offense and score. And they just don't. And, like, yeah, yeah Tyreek was supposed to be that guy. And it seems like last year was the aberration with him.
2: Yeah, yeah I know, which is really disappointing, man, because I love this team, <laughs> as we all know. <laughs> you love this team.
0: Man. You
1: love the job Pritchard has done in Indiana more than I hate the job Grunfeld has done <laughs> in Washington. And that's hard to do. That is yeah, and I that's think
0: legitimately hard.
2: I, I just... Again, like I I like watching them so much, and I just worry about whether it's going to work in the playoffs because of what you just said, and uh, that's why I would really love for them to take a big swing, B- because look, this is a team that's like primed yeah. to have a lot of cap space, but like, what are they going to use that cap space for? You know,
0: like Tyreek Evans, <laughs> bro. They tried. Who they were trying to sign this summer it was like Aaron Gordon, and they were like they were nah, in on nah. Aaron Gordon, and then and,
2: yeah, and then they didn't get him, and, and then they signed, uh, what, they gave the money to Turner. They gave the money to Turner, and they gave they you know they gave one year deals out to Tyreek and Kylo Quinn. Like I think they did a fine job. They They preserved their cap space,
1: yeah, the McDermott contract is still regrettable a little bit. Well,
2: he's been helpful for them because like I think they just they needed his shooting. But man, I just if they could somehow find a way to like cobble together a trade package for like another co-star
0: for Oladipo, I think that would that would be awesome. Alright, let's end the show with a quick make or miss There's been a lot of big topics since the last time we did a podcast So we'll touch on them real quickly here uh, They agreed to disagree with the statement It's a miss First one, Jimmy Butler's rift with Brett Brown was overblown
1: no, I'm saying that's a miss I think Brett Brown's wow. done a good job to like diffuse it But I think
0: at He's so I, good at diffusing things At
1: some point if you, you know, burn down eight houses in a row And then the ninth house is like smoking up I think you might be the problem, man You might be an arsonist
0: I will That'd be all... a great nickname
2: for Jimmy Butler. <laughs> the arsonist? Nice. Yeah. Now we're getting somewhere. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's a miss as well. And th- that doesn't mean that they can't sort of move forward and figure it out. I just think there is some smoke here in terms of like the, the roles that the guys are going to have on this team. And, and the fact that Embiid has also griped about his role yeah. in the past couple of weeks would be concerning to me as well. And I think it's less about, like, the rift between Butler and Brett Brown or Butler's, like, personality fit with this team and more about just, like, are they going to be able to make it work? Are they going to be able to keep everybody happy? And I feel like so far, you know, Embiid, it seems like, has been heard because he has been, like, more of a focal point in the post and used less as, like, a stretch big, which is what he was complaining about. And also the Sixers have looked great their last couple of games. So obviously that's going to help. And... Uh, I, I don't know, man. I, I just think this next stretch that they're about to embark on is going to basically make or break them because they have this, like, yeah, utterly it's a it's <laughs> hellacious stretch of schedule coming up that, you know, if they survive that stretch, I think they'll be fine. And if they don't, you know, they're going to have a bit of an identity, identity crisis on their hands, and um, the stuff that's going on behind
0: the scenes is probably going to become a bigger deal. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. Although they're off to a pretty good start, man. Beating Indiana and Minnesota like that, that's that's impressive. Yeah. Um all right, make or miss. The Jazz will finish with a top four seed despite their slow start. I'm
1: gonna say make I'm Ooh. gonna say the Jazz finish third Ooh, in wow. the Western
0: Conference. See, that's they what are, people were saying before the season, but yeah, then they got off to that there, sort of sluggish start and
1: you I don't know, you know how far back of the three seed Utah is right now with the easiest remaining schedule among all the West playoff teams? Two games back of third. Okay. They're coming for it.
0: Yeah. Um,
2: I think I agree. Yeah. Like, they, they have the easiest schedule left among Western Conference teams. They've already started to turn it around. Mitchell has looked a lot better lately. Yeah, He's probably um, better
0: at point guard. Like, he's, had he's a little are- bit better with the ball in his hands. Yeah, it's weird. He's one of those guys I feel like needs a little bit of rhythm to shoot uh-huh. rather than catch and shooting, you know? But.
2: Yeah, I mean, they have yeah. sort of, like, experienced this turnaround with Rubio on the shelf. So, yeah They have like no point guards healthy It's really weird Even Raw Neto's hurt Yeah But it's kind of It's weird how their season Pretty much has Identically mirrored Last year Yeah wow. Like they get off to a slugger start In part because they're playing Just like a brutal schedule And, and then, then the Mitchell schedule Starts to emerges. ease up And You know Then they go on the second half run So I kind of feel like The same thing's gonna happen And they'll and- beat
1: the Six seeded Thunder
2: well, I, I sort of see them and the Thunders like switching places yeah. in that division, right? Like the Thunder are about to have like a really tough schedule in the back yep. half and the and the Jazz are about to have a really easy schedule. So I still think the Thunder are going to make the playoffs, but it's not a lock. Yeah. And, and I feel like I would be much more confident in the Jazz making it
0: than the Thunder at this point. Yeah. Um. A quick shout out to uh, Joe Ingles, aka Mr. John Chicks, uh, appearance on the Woj Pod. Really good, really worth a listen. Anyway, Joe, and Joe baby. Um, the next one, make him miss. Boogie will score more than 15 points in his uh, Warriors debut, so he's finally coming back from that Achilles um, on Friday.
2: What does he have a minute limit? He does not. He does not have he's, a starting he's starting and he doesn't...
1: Apparently he wanted to come back earlier and the reason they didn't bring him back is because he would have been on a minutes limit. And they were like, we don't Ooh. want to do that. Mm. So I'm going to say make... I'm going to say he scores 15 plus and gets a tech.
2: Ooh. <laughs> okay. Um, I feel like the Warriors probably want to give him the ball. That's what I was going to say. I think like they will kind of highlight him and and make sure that like he's seeing a lot of the ball and getting comfortable like really early. And, you know, even if he's a bit, like, a bit rusty, I just... The Warriors obviously are a team that can afford to mess around and do whatever they want. Like they might just come down the floor and give Boogie a post touch, you know, twelve possessions in a row just to try and get him going. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: Uh, and he's playing the Clippers.
0: Like uh, yeah, the Clippers say, have like, well, unless they're going to put Boban out there. Yeah,
1: Boban, Gortat, they'll all get their shots. Yeah, like, like Harold will try to like jump on his back at one point. Yeah, but it's not going to work.
0: They'll, they'll abuse them. This is a good matchup. This is a good matchup. Um, next one, Harden. Will keep the Rockets in the playoffs chase. I, 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 by that, I mean in a playoff spot while CP3 and Capella recover.
1: Yeah, I'm saying that's a make. I think this guy score
0: like 50 points a game, literally, and he's actually doing it. Right?
1: Uh, yeah, he might be capable of doing it. Wow. Um, this roster is pretty trash without those two guys. Like Gordon's finally back and hopefully can shoot the ball again. Mm-hmm. Chris Paul, if he's even 50% of P, Chris Paul, like they, they should, they'll be back sooner than later. It's the Capella injury is the one that hurts. I, Harden's going to have, like, a huge burden, but he'll do it. They're not falling out of the playoffs.
2: Ah, man. (laughs) Yeah, it's tough. (laughs) I think, look, I think they will end up in the playoffs, but, you know, depending on how long Chris Paul stays out for, I think that by the time he comes back, they might be on the outside looking in. Mm -hmm. I, I just think even, you know, like those last couple of games. I, I mean, Harden dropped 58 in their last game and they lost. And like, it just seems to me like every fourth quarter to me, he looks, and Chris Herring of 538 actually wrote a great piece about this, about, right. about how Harden's uh, efficiency really tails off in the second half and in the fourth quarter in particular. And it's just going to keep getting worse. You know, like Unless they manage to swing a trade or just, like, bring at least a couple of guys in to help them out. Like, there is nobody. Like, it's wild. Like, they are so dependent on Austin Rivers. You know what I mean? Like, they... <laughs> Very
0: dependent on and, Austin and, Rivers. And who
2: is Nene starting for them at center? Yes. Y- yes, that's a 38-year-old Nene. Like, Harden has been ridiculous, but this roster is so barren right now. And I think that he can keep putting up, you know, monster performances like this. I just don't know if it's going to be enough to keep them in this, like, ridiculously competitive playoff race until
0: CP and Capella are ready to come back. By the way, the fifth leading scorer uh, by per-game numbers on the Rockets this year is still Carmelo Anthony, by the way. Still Carmelo. (laughs) And the guys ahead of him, Capella, Gordon, and Paul, have all missed time. They might want to just think about bringing him back Yo, Melo, come back, man. It was wrong, all right? We shouldn't have scapegoated you. I'm sorry. Come back. James Ennis was not the answer, uh, as it turns out. But um, last one, make or miss. The rest of the season doesn't even matter now that peak Warriors are back. Have you guys seen what Steph is doing recently? It is so stupid. Clay's coming back around. Draymond's coming back around. Boogie's about to get healthy. KD's not complaining and talking about how he's going to New York anymore. I mean, what are we doing, guys? What are we doing?
1: So what are you asking us?
0: I don't know. Are the Warriors going to win the championship regardless of what happens? Oh, yeah. That's a make. Okay. Well, yeah.
1: I thought you were going to ask what you had uh, written on the sheet, which was, does it even matter? Okay. Does, does it the rest then? of the season even matter? And yes, of course the season still matters. Like, I don't know how many times we have to do this with the Warriors or like some dominant NBA team where it's like, oh, it doesn't matter. Like the season's over. This team won. And guess what? We're all still going to be gripped by like some random first round series, a great performance down mm. the stretch. Like, It all still matters It's all still fun It's all still glorious And the Warriors will win
2: Yeah, let me put it this way All right, we all live our lives With the specter of death looming over us But we still manage to find joy and meaning While we are alive And that is the regular season In the era of the Warriors, man Like, they loom over all of this And, look, I mean, you know Don't hate on me for, like Associating the Warriors with death Like, they have a lineup that literally invokes death. They slim call it the Reaper death lineup. And the Slim Reaper. So, yeah. like, that's what they represent, man. Like, they are there waiting at the end, and I feel like we all kind of know it. And look, at the risk of undermining a piece that I wrote a couple weeks back, where I'm like, eh, maybe these Warriors' issues are actually something to worry about, um, that game against the Nuggets, where oh they decided God. to flip the switch, was just
1: obscene. Fifty-one points in the first quarter. Right, but my quick counter to that before we go will be like, do you think they really decided to flip a switch? I mean, they shot the ball ridiculously well. Or did they just like, the, and I just like make a mislead, Doug, but like for real. <laughs> or is it or shout is out it, yeah. just that Hang the shots there. for real.
2: Like No, but it's it's more than that. And yes, like they shot the ball ridiculously well. They're not gonna shoot that well most other games. But again, you know, to plug another piece that I wrote about that game, they were also just Wolf, I've been stepping it up recently. <laughs> Jesus, how much are you writing, Wolf? Entirely too much about the Warriors, let me tell you. But, like, they they were just, like, so precise and so locked in that entire game and, like, running off of makes and, like, getting open threes after, like, just getting the ball yeah. up the floor in, like, three seconds. Um, and, and, like, Draymond basically being used as, like, a, a screener and, like, making plays in the four-on-three, like, the way that he used to. I'm just and Draymond also shot four of seven from three in their last game, which is like if he if he finds his <laughs> lot, shot again, right?
0: it's obviously just game over. Um, he had a better chance of kicking the ball into the net than shooting it for like a solid month and a half. Yeah, uh,
2: but no, yeah. I just think I think there are certain indicators with that team outside of how they shoot the ball, where it's like okay, like they brought it tonight. Um, like one of them is their defensive intensity. Yeah. One of them is like the pace that they play with, and another one is just like how quickly they move the ball. And they threw uh, 346 passes in that Nuggets game, which was 32 more passes than they average on the season. They were just whipping the ball around and like cutting and just dancing circles around the Nuggets. And to me, it was more than just like them having like a really hot shooting night. I feel like they decided that they wanted to kick the crap out of the Nuggets in that game. And then they went out and did. And then the the next game, the second night of a back-to-back against the Pelicans, they drop 147 points. Steph Curry's made 28 threes in three games. Yeah, like come on, man. It's just Dece. it's uh yeah, it's just mental how much talent there is in the NBA right now. Like, yeah. doesn't it seem like yeah. every episode we're just talking hyperbolically about yeah. some yeah. player or another? Yeah. That's the thing.
0: Like shooting from a logo used to be this like crazy thing that only Steph did, you know? And like now I'm like Dame can shoot from the logo, Jamal Murray can shoot from the logo, Trey Young Steph, Steph yeah, Trey Young can shoot from um what's his name, uh Kyrie can shoot from the logo, Lillard. Yeah, I mean. Lowry sometimes.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't Please know come that. back, Kyle.
0: Yeah, he's he's yeah. Anyway. Um th- I think that does for the podcast. Uh for cash for Wolf on and myself signing out pound the rock.